So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. This is Emily, and I'm here as always with Andrew. And today we have joining us my friend Libby. We were friends in middle school when I lived in Arizona, um, and we've kind of kept in contact over social media for years. So hi, Libby. Hi, guys. Welcome. Thanks for having me. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Were yeah, you guys you. like like good friends in middle school, or were you like friends that just kind of like stayed in contact because of social media? Well, I feel like I feel like we were good friends in middle school. Or was it I like the first year of high school or something? I think it was freshman year, maybe. Yeah, it was freshman year. We did some yeah plays and musicals together, and uh, didn't we have a sleepover at your house the last night of freshman yes. year? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have some pictures <laughs> that are kind of silly from that day. But <laughs> do you have uh, Do you have any uh, scrapbooks from that year? Uh, or did you stop in like I think school? I stopped in middle school. Okay. I was like an avid scrapbooker for a long time. Yeah, I think we might have to have an episode one time where we talk about Emily's great no, scrapbooks. Gosh. There are no, some we're not, we're not. awesome one-liners in there. No, we're done. We're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh Libby, thank you so much for agreeing to to be on with us today. You have such a uh heart-wrenching but powerful ex- experience that I think will be able to bless the lives of a lot of people. And we're just really like grateful that you're here to share it with us and to share it with our listeners. And we know that they will be blessed because of hearing your story and hearing your testimony. And so. we also want to welcome your cat who hopefully will, will join in. Hello kitty. <laughs> well, Libby, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit more? Well, my name is Libby. I um, am still in Arizona. I live in Tucson now. Um, I'm a nurse and uh, I am blessed enough to say that I married a very wonderful man. Um, Unfortunately, our relationship and our um, marriage together wasn't like we dreamed of. Um, I met Joe. He was in the military and met him through a mutual friend um, kind of went on a blind date, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. and it just was so effortless and natural and just, um, you know, looking back, I think time gives you some perspective on things, but everything in our relationship just lined up so perfectly and beautifully. And, and I, I really have no doubt in my mind that it was meant to be, and it was God lining everything up for us. Um, we had dated for about four years, uh, got engaged. And then two months before our wedding, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Um, so we kind of had to have like an emergency wedding. We didn't know if he would make it to our actual wedding day. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just given this, this whole cancer and now dealing with grief after he's passed, it's just kind of given me a new perspective on life. And, um, realize that there's not really a lot of resources out there for grieving people in general, but especially for young grieving people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm, I hope that this, like what I can say, can reach out to people. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested if there's any of your listeners who have experienced things like this and if they have any helpful tips too, because it's, I mean, I don't have it figured out. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting. Before we started recording, me and Andrew were talking about just how different grief is for everyone. There are so many different types and it just, I mean, it, everyone responds differently and grieves differently to different things, but there's always so much that we can learn from other people and their experiences um, to be of best help and best um, service to others. Yeah. And and we've talked, we've had, we've been blessed to have a lot of different people come on uh, who felt like others could be blessed by hearing their experience, kind of echoing the sentiment that you shared just now, like wanting to be able to put out some, uh, to share their experience so that others can be helped. Uh, and we've had people who've come on who have lost children or people who have come on who have suffered like extreme sexual abuse from family members. Um, and every every grieving person comes on with like a different approach or like a different experience, and and I, I think having people exposed to all of those different types of of <laughs> being exposed to suffering or not just suffering, but like to those experiences is really powerful and really important. Uh, so you said he, uh, you guys got married pretty soon after he was diagnosed, did he make it to your, how, how long did he make it after his original diagnosis? Uh, two and a half years. Okay. And what kind of cancer was that again? Uh, he had melanoma. Melanoma. Yeah. So when he was diagnosed, so I just want to kind of get some groundwork out of the way. And then I want to ask you some kind of more personal questions afterwards. But after he was diagnosed, uh, did the doctor say he had a certain amount of time left or did they say, we just don't know. Um, when he was diagnosed, his cancer was head to toe, um, except his brain. It was pretty much in every organ. Um, it was in his bones. Um, they, they did tell us not to Google, um, things <laughs> modern medicine and new science. There had been new breakthroughs and that wasn't, um, the life expectancy wasn't being shown with research online mm-hmm. uh-huh. before, before the new treatments came about melanoma, uh, metastatic melanoma was classified as one of the worst types of cancer to get that next to colon cancer. I think they said the life expectancy was about six months. Um, But um, head to toe, uh, they told us that, you know, we could do some different um, testing to see if he had certain mutations. Um, I mean, it was all like a foreign language. I'm, I'm a nurse and it was just still like super overwhelming and, and new terms and just very, I mean, you're just in a state of shock. It goes in one ear and out the other. So I was sure to record everything and take notes and um, yeah. So he was, he was diagnosed on September 11th. We got, well, I guess we found out he had cancer on September 11th, uh, 2018. We got a, final diagnosis, September 13th. Um, we left the hospital 
Uh, mainly we were in the hospital for pain control. He was in horrible, horrible pain, couldn't walk, couldn't eat. Um, I mean, it was just, it was awful. Um, and then we left the hospital on September 17th after working with pharmacists and pain, pain doctors and trying to get like a regimen and a schedule down with medications that would work. Um, so we went home on the 17th of September and got married September 18th. And he was pretty much bedridden that day. I think he got up reluctantly for about 10 minutes to do the ceremony and then was like, all right. <laughs> Good, we're married. I can sit back down. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Was it a, I imagine it was a, a mixed experience, right? There's probably a lot of sadness, but also a lot of happiness. Yeah, I, I, uh, I wasn't very happy that day. Um, I mean, you, you look forward to your wedding day for so many, however long you're planning it. And even as little girls, I think a lot of people plan it and dream about it. Um, and you, you think about saying those vows and how touching it's going to be and everything, but like, it just, I remember just sobbing the entire time because till death do you part had an entirely different meaning and we were faced with it. Like I didn't, I didn't know if my husband or fiance was going to be there the next day, like, cause he right. hadn't been on any medications. They just told us how bad it was. And, and in sickness and in health, like that's a, a lot of people go 60 years before experiencing the in sickness part. And so it just, it had a lot of weight to it and it was my reality now. And I, I, wish that nobody ever had to has to ever say those 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 promises to each other in the in the midst of it in the midst right of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. so what made you decide to still move forward and take that burden you know i, I think it would be sad but some people might say oh you know what, like this maybe you should hold off or, you know, like, is this something you actually want to do with everything going on? Uh, what made you decide to keep moving forward, even like, you know, bring the date up? Um, there really wasn't any question in my mind. I, I, like I said earlier, I feel like from the very beginning of our relationship, it was something that was, um, kind of ordained by God. Um, there was just, it just, it just was, it just came effortlessly. And from day one, he was my best friend. And I, I know that he would do the same for me in, in the given circumstance. So there wasn't ever a question like, should we not move forward with this? Um, I wanted to be his wife. I wanted to be married to him. That was the plan all along. So let's do it now while he's here. We didn't know if we were going to get the chance, but he, um, being a, a an, an airman in the air force, um, I wasn't able to make medical decisions for him. I wasn't able to go to base to get any prescriptions for him. Um, doctors wouldn't talk to me or give me information because I wasn't his spouse at the time. Um, he's originally from Michigan, so it took his family a couple of days to get down here. And, and Jay and I just kind of decided that, you know, I, I was going to be his wife. And so I was going to be the person to 
make these decisions for him and be his, be his rock to lean on. Um, and so, I mean, I think, I think the air force thing, the logistics of it kind of, you know, we, we have to get married so that I can proceed with taking care of you. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, well, we do want to talk a little bit more about like him being in the military and kind of maybe like the logistics and complications that came after his loss. Um, but first, how, how do you feel like Jesus Christ has been there for you during this time? And I know that's a really vague question, but I mean, we've kind of talked about it briefly over messages. So what, what do you maybe have to add to how he's been there for you? Um, while we were going through cancer, I definitely felt his presence and, and I think that things just lined up so beautifully. It was not the perfect scenario, but things played out and lined up and people came into our lives at, at just, I mean, just the most perfect time. There's no, there's no other explanation other than it was God looking out for us and taking care of us. Mm -hmm. Um, at the beginning of April was when his symptoms started to kind of come back. Um, and I would, I would be lying if I said that I, you know, have felt him as strongly as I did before. Um, I'm, I've been dealing with it. I felt very angry. I feel at, at the time I felt very abandoned. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I would pray. It's a, it's a weird I don't know. It's a weird feeling that I've never had before. I would, I would pray and like, just be on my hands and knees and just feel like I was talking to an empty room. You know, I, I didn't even feel his presence and that's, that's a horrible feeling, but. Um, but I think it's, it's understandable and it's probably very common. So, I mean, I appreciate you admitting that and being real about it because I think a lot of people that are grieving have felt that way. And I know that like I have personally felt that way when we were going through miscarriages, like I'm praying, but I just feel so empty. And yeah. it's kind of hard to admit that because you want to say like, Oh yeah, he was there for me every step of the way. And I never felt alone, but like, that's just not the reality all the time. So. Yeah. And when you say you, you felt him, <clears throat> you kind of felt his presence at certain times more than others for you, what does feeling his presence feel like? What does that look like? It was, I, I get frustrated because like I talk to my sisters about this stuff and like, you know, they, they hear so clearly like a voice in their head or like they, they just feel drawn to something. And I, I don't like, I, I just feel like, what's wrong with me? Like I never hear his voice. It's just, it's that like overwhelming, just sense of peace <laughs> where it's just like, okay, whatever happens happens um i know that you're you've you're already in tomorrow so i'm not going to worry about today um it just was it was a very quiet just kind of warmth but yeah me. so if you were talking to somebody who is who is grieving for whatever reason i think there are lots of reasons to grieve um and i think this feeling of of loneliness or be, maybe being like cut off from the lord for whatever reason seems to be a common thread 
Like I, I, I've noticed that a lot as we've spoken with people in various stages of grief for various reasons. What possible explanation would you give them as to why the Lord might not be uh, answering their prayers as clearly as they as He usually does? I think it's in these quiet moments when when we need to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Um, you know, it's easy to praise God and give glory to him and worship him when things are going good, um, and going well in your life, but it's, it's hard to, to lean into this non-tangible being when you feel like your world is crumbling. Um, and at least for me, I know that I have like a control issue (laughs) and so I want control. I want to control what's going on and, and I'm not in control and nobody's in control. It's, it's all in his hands. And I think that it's um, also kind of like a life lesson. Like you, you just need to let go and let this be and lean into me and just, I mean, go, go, go blindly. Um, Yeah. Two, two things I love from that is this idea of, Christ is not a God of, of like warm and fuzzy platitudes, right? Like he's not, his gospel is not a gospel of bumper stickers or bumper sticker slogans, right? It's, it's really there to get us through, or it's something powerful and deep and anything that's powerful and deep, it has to be experienced powerfully and deeply. Uh, And I, I just, I love this idea and it's super sad, and but it's also inspiring that Christ trusts us so much that he chooses our lowest points and our hardest times to like really build us. Because I am confident just after talking with you for a few minutes that you would have been able to develop the faith that you have otherwise, mm-hmm. right? Like if you had not gone through this and the Lord hadn't provided these opportunities for you to grow your faith. You, I'm sure your faith would have been strong and the Lord would have found other ways to grow it. But like these hard moments provide the Lord an opportunity to really forge you. Um, whereas like the world would say, Hey, like, let's just kind of in Louisiana, we say shasha. So like you'll <laughs> shasha someone when they're having a hard time to baby someone. Yeah. To baby someone. And so, like, the world would say, hey, let's shasha someone that's going through something hard. But the Lord says, I'm going to love you and give you the love that you need and the comfort that you need, but I also have a plan for you, and it's bigger than this one moment. And so, I'm going to, I'm going to help refine, refine you and develop you even in this moment, because the only way you're going to be able to receive the comfort that you need is if you're are more refined and stronger. And then, uh, oh, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's important to remember that, you know, I've been asked like, how, how are you keeping your faith? Like if, if there was a God, he would have cured your husband, he would have taken this cancer away. And I, I don't think necessarily that it's God. I think it's important for Christians to remember that, you know, God, at least I don't think that God gives these things. It's, it's that we live in a sin, a sin soaked world. Yeah. Fallen world. Yeah. So I think in your last podcast, you talked about um, like your last episode, you were talking about um, being positive and enthusiastic about your faith. And and I think that's very important to do in grief. 
um, you know, your relationship with God is like a relationship with any other human. You have to work at it and get through those tough times. And um, you, I mean, you just, you have to be obedient in your faith in order to keep it. So when you don't feel like going to church, when you don't feel like he's around, you still got to go to church. You still got to read the Bible. You still have to do those daily those daily devotions to him and praise him and worship him through it all. And, and um, I think like you guys said, just put your, your shoulder to the wheel and keep, keep the faith even when you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Oh, so I, I, okay. My, my second thing, second point, my, sorry, and I have second, a question. <laughs> and it's, it is a question. So okay. I, I'll shut up and, and I'll let you talk. <laughs> uh, I really like the phrase that you said, lean into him. Uh, what does that, what does that mean for you in, in this experience and in general? You know, I hear people say that all the time and I, you, know, you can, you know, lean into him before, but for me now, I'm just so exhausted and just so drained all the time that to me now, it really means that physical sense that I just like, I, I can't do it. He can do it. So I need I need him to carry me right now because I physically cannot. And so to me now, the leaning into him is just, is, is having him carry me through this. I don't have strength to do it on my own, but I know that with him, he will give me the strength and wisdom. And the- so for, for the person who's maybe in a similar stage or maybe an earlier stage of this grieving process um, and they need to lean into Christ, but they don't understand how, what does it mean for you to like, let him carry you? I am still working on that one. Honestly, <laughs> It's hard to do. You, you want to be in control. You want to, to have control over every aspect of your life. And, and that's something that I know that I need to work on. Um, uh, but I think that, I think that joy and grief can coexist. And it's, it was really hard for me to see that the days and the first couple of months after Jay passed away. And, and I, I understand I'm only like almost six months out from this, but I'm getting a little bit more of a sense of that than they, that the two can coexist. Um, and so I think that you need to find, find the positive, see, see the ways that you're being blessed through through this because there are there, I mean, there are a lot of blessings. Um, yes, Jay died, but he got to die at home surrounded by family. Um, I had an amazing support system, an amazing family. He and I were able to um, be financially secure enough that I could take a couple more days off of work because work was only giving me three days of bereavement leave. Um, three days? Only three days. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I ended up going back to work like two weeks, I think after he passed away. But I mean, you just, it's, it's hard and you don't want to see the positives, but I think in order to lean into him, you have, you have to purposefully seek him Mm -hmm. and find the ways that he's there in your life during that time. Yeah. I like that. Um, so in your messages, you mentioned that you've been going to like Christian counseling. Yes. Um, what is what does that look like to have like a Christian counselor? Um, 
the, the lady that I see has been a therapist and um, so she, I mean, she has the therapy side of it, but a Christian counselor is just working through um, your, your hardships, whatever it is that you're facing in life. It doesn't have to be grief and loss um, mm-hmm. and relating it to the Bible. Um, so I've been doing a study through the book of Job um, and you're, I mean, you, you just pose, they're, they're not a minister. They're not a priest. They're not mm-hmm. that, but they have a better sense, at least for me, a better sense of the Bible than I do. And so um, I, I can come to her with questions and, and, you know, we can read these verses and kind of talk about, you know, well, what do they mean? And what did you learn at church? And it, it, it's just a way to kind of like this. I mean, this is, this to me is kind of like what my, my time with her is like, it's just talking it out and asking like, well, what do you think God would want from this? And why, why do you think God is doing this? And, and, um, in your reading, did you find anything that resonated with you that, um, you know, how, how can we grieve the way that Christ wants us to grieve? Right. So it's probably really beneficial to have somebody who has a, you know, a Christian worldview, right? Cause like the way a Christian would deal with, with loss or sadness or grief is very different from how like a, I don't know, a, a secularist would deal with it. That's trained in like a completely secular mm-hmm. uh, method of grief resolution. Mm-hmm. So that's probably really beneficial. Yeah. Well, bef- Oh, sorry. Last yes. question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious about, about this, this lady that you're meeting with, is she like denomination specific or is she just like generally Christian, like in her approach? Um, she describes herself as non-denominational. Um, she, I mean, she is Christian based, but she has told me that she works with, um, Catholics, Lutherans, um, people from Latter-day Saints, um, (coughs) Jehovah's Witness. Um, I mean, she works with everybody. She's, she's, she is Bible based. So if you, if you read the Bible, I think that she'll work with you. I don't think really Mm -hmm. could be something for, you know, like Jewish or Muslim based faith, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and when it comes down to, especially when you're talking like between different Christian denominations, like uh, I, I think the general way that we would deal with things are, are pretty similar, right? <laughs> Leaning on Christ, and and even if you're even if she disagrees with you doctrinally about specific things, like the the reality of Christ and the reality of His atonement is there, and so you can have that kind of commonality, and with that commonality, you can you can do a whole lot of things, right? Because that's the main thing. So, sorry, honey, I, I cut you oh, off no, so many times. Good. What was your next question? I apologize. <laughs> no, your questions are great. Um, so through your Instagram stories, you shared a little bit about like the frustrations, like the logistical frustrations of losing a spouse that was in the military. Um, if you're comfortable with it, can you talk to us more about that? Because we really have no idea. And I'm sure that our... Listeners don't have 
a clue. Maybe some of them do. <laughs> but what does that what does that look like and why is it so frustrating? Um, so with the military, uh everything is divided into separate government agencies, separate businesses. So like he had different TRICARE is, you know, medical coverage, but it's not dental and vision. It's not prescriptions. It's not like, it's very specific things and they're all separate numbers and they're all, um, they're, they're all government agencies. So they're just a little more chaotic, uh, to deal with. Um, and like I spent three and a half hours at the VA, um, trying to find this office building and nobody could tell me where this office building was. And I, I ended up like going to five different people, three and a half hours walking the entire way. Um, and, and, you know, they would, Oh, I think it's in this building. So I'd walk over there and it was the cafeteria. And then I'd go <laughs> to the concierge desk. Oh my goodness. Can you help me find this building? And they send me to a room and it was something that I already took care of. And it ended up being 20 feet down the hallway on the same side of the wall, three and a half hours later from the first place that I stopped. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's, I'm trying to find words. It's just so many different people that you need to contact and it's paperwork to start the process and then once they get that paperwork um, they send you more paperwork to fill it out they won't tell you what you're eligible for if anything um, before they verify the death of the veteran Um, in order to verify the death of the veteran you have to have the death certificates in you have to have their retirement forms if they're retired Um, If you don't have those things or you can't locate those things, you have to go to base and acquire those. And that's its own process. Um, They're open on certain days and times. Um, It's it's just one thing after another after another. Um, You have to cancel everything in in your spouse's name and then open a whole new account in your name. Um, It's... I'm, I'm not lying when I said, when I say that I just completed everything and have everything squared away two weeks ago. So mm-hmm. that five, five and a half months after his passing of right. dealing with everything. Man, uh, I, it's so frustrating. First, I, I yeah. should have said this earlier, but again, I, my heart just aches for you in this whole process, right? I mean, the, right. not just losing your husband, but going through that long process of losing him, right? Like not just like the final loss, but like the, the process of losing. And then the thought of like us as a country supporting a system that is making the widows of veterans go through that is just infuriating. I'm so sorry that you have to go through that. Thank you. I mean, it is, it is frustrating. I've written stuff down trying to like, um, there's, there's like military spouse programs on base. Um, and I've, I'm trying to like make a list of who you need to see first and where you need to go and, and numbers for these things, because it is, it's just, there's no one can give you a straight answer. Um, 
every military person has different coverage or different um, programs that they're involved in. So, it, I mean, it really is dependent on the veteran. So it's not a clear cut path for everybody. Right. And it's probably different from like branch of service to, to branch of service. Correct. Yep. Well, man, huh. that's frustrating. I'm so sorry. sorry. And I just, yeah, I mean, like Andrew said, I can imagine like having to like keep working through that process month after month. It's like, just let me be done with this and let me grieve and let me, I can't imagine. I'm so sorry. Um, so that goes on, leads well into our yeah, next that, question. Yeah, go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> uh, so most of us have not gone through what you, you're, you've gone through and are currently going through. And as believers, we all should believe that we are our brothers and our sisters keeper, right? Like we are responsible for mourning with those that are mourning and, and comforting those that stand in need of comfort. Well, I found that frequently when I'm faced with somebody who's in a, a, an extreme situation like this, I don't know exactly what to do. And I'm sure that you might even still feel this way when you encounter people who are dealing with other types of grief or other types of loss. So from your, and I think it's getting dependent on the person, but from your perspective, what uh, are the best things that people have done? And what are some of the worst things that people have done to try and help you? Um. Well, I like that you said that I like, you know, that you guys don't know what to say, because I know you've experienced loss, too. And I'm sure that your own grief is I mean, every every grief is different, just as every relationship and every love is different. And so mm-hmm. the way that you guys would have liked to have your grief handled is probably different than what I'm experiencing. Right. Right. I think especially for for people who are young like us, you know, that's not a normal, it's not normal for, it's kind of like a, a, an An outlier. Yeah. It's a not natural thing. Um, And so I had, um, you know, quite, quite a few people who I thought would be there for me who just weren't. Um, And it, it it hurt, it hurt my feelings. Um, But my mom was amazing and just reminded me, you know, that this doesn't happen to 27 year olds. Um, so I think one, the, the, the best thing that someone can do, if you don't know what to say and you don't know how to be there, I think it's just tell that your, your grieving friend, family, whoever, just tell them, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to be here and support you during this, but I want to let you know that I am here. Um, I think that that is better than just disappearing. Um, I, I and, and can I ask a follow up question on that? Would yeah. you say that that is uh, generally like in line with your personality type? Like, generally, do you like it when? Like, do you like to? Are you more of like an extrovert where you like people being around you, or like the reason I ask is I, I can see some people thinking, oh, well, this person like might want to be like to be alone or might need more time on their own to kind of sort through these things. And, and so they might make that kind of decision to not be in in your face, but be kind of more proactive about 
reaching out to you because they think that you might want space because that might be more like your personality type or does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I've actually never thought about that. That's a really good point. I'm, I'm a very introverted person. Um, uh-huh. and so I can see where they would think that, you know, maybe I just need some space. Um, but I'm also like huge on communication. And I think that when you have friends who just aren't there for you during the hardest time in your life, introverted, extroverted, I think, I think just even, even, I mean, a text message would just, you know, it's, it's just showing your presence and, and letting them know that, that they recognize what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I have gotten comments about, you know, well, can't, at least you weren't married for 60 years. Can you imagine losing your spouse after 60 years and having memories? How, hold on. How can someone think this would be a good thing to say right now? Exactly. I mean, like, because, even yeah. if, even if you were to think that, right. Because I, I think it's, it's totally fair for people to have those kinds of thoughts as they're like, as they're kind of detached looking in, at the situations and, and trying to gauge like, which one would I rather deal with? Right. And to like to think those things is one thing, but to like to say it, like I'm so sorry. I'm like gonna apologize for everyone (laughs) who ever says anything. So if we have one good takeaway from this episode, it's don't say that, right? So (laughs) one good thing. I would say if any of the comments are gonna say at least. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because it just minimizes. At least, right. Quick, at least they did this. At least you're young and you're going to get remarried at some yeah. point in your life. Those are not, yeah, because not helpful. Yeah. That those are like the least helpful to for us, right? It's like at least, at least, at least. Well, and I think uh, to put this in proper context, I think at least for us in our experiences, <laughs> at least <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, <laughs> We might, and I think we have, get to a point where we can start using at least as we look at our own grief, uh, but you have no idea where somebody is at in that process. Mm-mm. And so I think it, it can be a healthy point to reach a place where you can start saying at least, you know, at least this happened. Like, or like you said, said at least he was able to pass with family around him. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, you don't know where people are at. So like, I'm not going to throw around around any, at least when I'm speaking with somebody who's obviously grieving. So sorry, mm-hmm. go on. I'm, I'm interested in the rest of, uh, of your, uh, your takeaways. Um, comparing, I don't think is a helpful thing. Um, maybe if you have tips, you can, you can let them know, like I have experienced something similar and I have some in, like I have some information for you, if and when you're ready to hear it. Um, mm-hmm. I can't tell you the number of people that I have had just like, just piling things that I need to do and things that I need to deal with and how I need to deal with them. And and, and every grief is different. Just right. me losing my spouse could, I could be grieving completely different than um, my neighbor down the street who recently lost her husband. Um, and, and so comparing isn't it. There's, there's good intention behind it. You know, they're not trying to be hurtful or not helpful or anything, but 
Um, I think offering it, like I, I would love to talk to you about this when and if you're ready to listen. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I think, I don't know if you've experienced this being in Arizona. I mean, I know there are a lot of members of our, of our church um, who are in Arizona. Um, and I'll just be super blunt or when, when I hear somebody who has lost a loved one, right. And you've probably heard this again. I imagine you have some Latter-day Saint coworkers or friends, uh, but in our church, we believe that, you know, you can be sealed together as, as families for eternity. And so there is no, like in our, in our marriage ceremonies, our sealing ceremonies in, in our temple or in, in the temples, uh, there's no till death to you part, right? It's like, there might be, there's an explanation, there might be separation, but in the end, like you will be together if you honor your covenants with, with the savior. And so I am always super tempted to be like, I have this belief that might make you feel better, and that might like help you with your circumstances. And so like, I, I, I like that, I, that, um, that idea where I can say, Hey, I have like, there's this thing that I believe might help or if and when it, is, is applicable if, and when you're ready to talk about it, please come talk that. about it. I, I, I love that. Yeah. it's a good point. I think that, um, kind of like when you, when you don't know how to show up for your grieving friend, that can also be applied there. Um, you are just kind of in the state of shock. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what day it is. You don't know what's going on at your house. You've probably not eaten unless someone shoved a plate of food in your face and forced you to eat. And so telling someone, um, you know, let me know what I can do for you they're probably not going to reach out because they don't, they don't know what they need. Um, they don't want to feel like a burden. Um, that's especially true for me. I hate asking for help. I hate relying on people. I don't, I don't want to bother them. I know people have their own life going on. Um, and so being intentional for your, whoever is grieving in your life and saying, um, I'm going to the store, trying, like trying to make it that you're, they're not a burden. I'm going to the store. I'm at the store right now. I'm going to pick you up a few things. I'll drop them off. And if they want you to stay, I'm sure you can feel that out. Otherwise keep it short and sweet. Or, you know, I will be there um, Tuesday before work to take your dog for a walk Um, because it's like those ordinary tasks, taking your dog for a walk, doing laundry, um, cooking, just really everyday vacuuming that, that stuff hasn't, I still haven't gone to the grocery store. Like I just, I, I can't do it. I have frozen food in my um, freezer still that people have brought and that my parents and family have like put in little Tupperware containers. And that's, I mean, it's sad, but I, I don't have the energy to think about it. And, and so um, I have family who comes over and like kind of makes a list of things that I'm running out of in my, in my refrigerator and, and they'll go and get it for me. And, and that's, that's very helpful. Um, I've had people get me, uh, one person got me a gift certificate for a cleaning company um, to come and wow, clean that's awesome. house. And I mean, I had 30 people in my house the week that Jay was home on hospice. And so it definitely needed to be cleaned. And so it's, it's those like practical 
those practical things that you can do for someone, I think are very overlooked. Um, you yeah. Know. Who do we have on that talks so, about this? Um, Emma Price. Yes. Emma Price. We had Emma yeah. Price on one of our earlier episodes. She had lost a child to cancer. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, super sad story. But and she said something really similar. Like, don't say, hey, let me, let me know what I can do because that's just adding more burden. So just just do something, right? I think it's it's interesting because it's like for for me as like a third person looking in on a friend or something, it it's like, well, what grand gesture can I do or like what big service can I do? But I'm like comforted by the fact that like I don't have to think of something big. I can take over a daily task, not daily, but like a normal activity, like walking the dog or dropping off a meal or if, if they um, have children taking the kids to go right. do something and giving mom or dad or sister or whoever just some alone time um, to sit mm-hmm. and maybe do some of the yeah. tasks that need to get done to get affairs in order. Um, right. So, so we've talked a lot, a lot about things like what people can do, what types of service. But what about like emotionally? What have your friends or families done or said to I guess really specifically said to connect with you emotionally or support you emotionally. And I recognize that these like physical things also kind of help you with that as well. But what, what have people said that has been really good? I think just sitting there and um, you know, I think it's, that's why a lot of people don't know what to say is because it's, there's a lot of awkward silences and there's really nothing that you can say to make it better. It's just a, a crummy situation through and through. Um, and for me emotionally, I, I feel like the best things have just people who have acknowledged it. Like, I'm so sorry that you're doing, you're, you're going through this. This sucks. It just, there's, it, it's a sucky situation and, and I'm sorry that you're going through it. Um, letting me ramble and and talk. Um, I've had a lot of, you know, kind of fears and questions and guilt with some, some things and, and just letting me talk and hearing and not, not really interrupting and not listening to solve a problem, but just listening to, um, I think it's the best things that you can do emotionally for someone who is grieving is, is just be there and acknowledge that what they're going through is, really crummy. Um, I mean, I know that's not like grand or profound or anything, but it's just, I mean, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to think about examples from the scriptures where the savior comforts somebody. And the one that really comes to mind is is Mary and Martha at the tomb of Lazarus, right? I mean, granted, he did then come up after being with them. He did go over and raise Lazarus from the dead. But before, when he got there, like, I don't think he, like, he didn't really preach, if I remember. I need to go back and reread the story, but I think he just went up and, like, wept with them. Like, she ran out and she kind of, like kind of yelled at him not yelled at him but basically said like 
if you had been here, he'd be alive. Mm-hmm. And Christ like said like just like a few a few words and she said something and it was obvious that she didn't fully understand the implications of what Christ had said. And Christ didn't like berate her or go into like some doctrinal explanation. Like he just wept with her. And so I think that that is really in line with what, what everything you're saying is really in line with the Savior's example. I mean, it, it says in the Bible, you know, rejoice with the, those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And I think that that's, um, I've, I've tried to become more knowledgeable about how to, how to grieve in a Christ centered way. And I think that that, you know, just sharing in that fellowship of, of the hardship, I think that's really important. Um, when Jesus found out that John the Baptist was, was dead, um, he got in a boat and wanted to go someplace alone and grieve his own, his own way. And I think that that's important that grievers recognize that, that, you know, it's important to sit with your feelings and process it and grieve it. Um, But when he showed up to where he was going, there was a crowd and he used, I mean, he, he could have been upset. I would have been upset if I went someplace to like process my feelings and there was a ton of, um, but he didn't, I mean, he didn't get upset. He, he went and he ministered to them. And I think that that's also a really important piece of like Christ-centered grieving is that it's, it's important to have that quiet time, but it's also important to, to share your compassion with others and use your grief for ministry. Um, It's, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. It's good and healthy to mourn um, for your loved ones who are lost, but, but you need to turn those emotions outward into like a, a gospel driven um, compassion. And, and I think that that's yeah. important, like super important. And so I'm trying, I'm trying to do this. And so I was super happy that you guys asked, asked me to come on because I think that this is a way that you can turn your grief into a, a gospel. Yeah. Well, I think that's just so beautifully said. I mean, and there's so many verses in scripture where the savior says, um, Basically, again, I just, I love that the Savior isn't a, he's not like a bumper sticker God. Like he's not just like a shasha God. Like he is here to make us something better. And he doesn't just say, oh, like go be sad. The scriptures are replete with, with him saying, like, I know you're sad, but you still have to fulfill your covenants you made with me. Right. Like when, when the, the man asked the Savior, hey, can I go and, bury my father who passed away and the lord said like any man who puts his hand to the plow and turns aside is not of me right or uh when i'm trying to think of of some more examples i had a couple more off the top like came to the top of my head but i can't think of any i have one other good one i wanted to share but that's fine (laughs) but this idea of turning oh like of losing yourself in order to save yourself Right. Like it, it would be very, it'd be very natural to turn inward and in, in an attempt to save yourself. Uh, but in doing that, you, you end up losing yourself. So have you started that phase of, of the Christ-like grieving process of trying to turn more outward? 
I. And if, if the answer is no, I totally get it. And there's no judgment whatsoever. <laughs> I would be a mess about it. I've, I've, I've thought about it. I, I am, you know, I, I think with, when a, when a spouse dies, kind of your identity dies too. I mean, they're, they're not only your spouse, they're your dinner date, they're your travel partner, they're your cheerleader, they're your best friend. Um, All of the goals that I have made for life were made with, with Jay and made um, for us to do together. And so I feel like I kind of have to figure who I am and I'm trying to, you know, have my faith be stronger so that I can figure out who I am and what, what God wants for my life from here on out. And I, I kind of like, I have ideas of how I can, how I can turn these emotions outwardly, but I feel like until I, until I fully understand what, who I am in Christ now and who, what he wants me to learn from this experience. I, I don't think that it would be um, really efficient or beneficial. I don't know what the word would be to, to, to go and minister to people. And I'm still trying to figure out what's what going on. looks like. Right. Like you, it's like the self-care thing. Like you can't pour from an empty cup. Like you have to work on yourself first. So. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, I think you coming onto this show and, and being willing to talk about this experience, uh, you've said it was from a point of, of you made that decision from a perspective of wanting to help other people and help and provide some a perspective that might be different or unique to be able to help people going through similar situations. And so I, I think while it is true that you can't pour from an empty cup, uh, do you remember the story of? Oh my gosh, Old Testament <laughs> prophet. Was it Elisha? I think it was Elisha who came to the widow, the widow with the, with her son. They were mm-hmm. in the land and it was, there's a famine. Oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure it's Elisha and I'm going to, I'm going to be wrong. Just go Someone, with that. Someone's going to, to email <laughs> me as soon as this episode comes out and be like, Hey, this is wrong. Uh, but Elisha came and uh, he was starving and came up to a widow who had a child and said, Hey, can you make us some food, make me some food? And she said, all I have is enough to make two cakes and some sticks to make a fire. And my son and I are going to eat this. And then we're going to die. And he said, please, will you make it for me? And she knew that he was a prophet. So she made him the food. And then as she was pouring, um, her, but she found that the flour was full and mm-hmm. the oil was full. And so as she was using the last bit to serve somebody else, her stores completely filled up and then she was able to survive and she didn't, she didn't die and her right. child didn't die. And so while it's true, and this is, I, I'm saying, I'm not trying to dem- diminish what you're saying. Then, like you do have to take care of yourself. There is, so you need to be taking you know, trying to be self-reliant so that you can really be able to help other people. But in pouring from our seemingly empty cup into the cups of others, we can have access to a much higher power. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and I was saying this again, because I think that you coming on here shows that you are, 
you know, you're pouring from what you feel like is an empty cup. And I hope that the Lord will in some small way bless you for like coming on in and trying to share this. Like, I hope this brings some peace or the Lord blesses you for this. And I, I think you will. I've been blessed immensely for it. Absolutely. So if, if nothing else, if no one else listened to this episode, mm-hmm. I've been super blessed by, by your perspective, by your faith. Um, and I would say that you probably are turning outward much more than you think. The fact that you were thinking about other people shows me that you were thinking about how you can serve your brothers and sisters. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on Libby. We really appreciate it. I know our listeners do too. So thank you guys. Is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? Um, don't be afraid to talk about the person who died. Don't be afraid to bring up their name. Um, I, I find that really cathartic for me talking about him and hearing memories or stories about him still. I mean, you're not bringing up anything that's sad for the person who's grieving. It's already on their mind all the time. Yeah. Um, And talking about it kind of keeps them alive. Um, And then I just, I, I, I hope that everybody young, old, um, married, not married. um, It's really important to me now with this new perspective that we talk about death and dying um, while we're living and healthy because it makes it a lot easier. And, and um, you know, I didn't want to talk about it with Jay because I didn't want him to think that my mindset was in a dark place. And so it's, I think it's made it a little bit more difficult, even with the stage four cancer diagnosis. Like we didn't, we just, just we just didn't talk about it because we didn't, honestly, we didn't think that this was ever going to happen. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I hope that people will think about, think about it and, and talk with others about it so that it's not kind of like this taboo subject so that we know how to right. handle our friends and even ourselves, um, better when it, when it happens, cause it is going to happen. Everybody loves. And so everybody's going to grieve because grief is just love with really nowhere to go. So, mm-hmm. and, and before we end, I think I just want to end on this. You talked about learning more about Christ-like grieving through this process. Um, can you share maybe something you've learned about what it means to grieve with Christ or grieve in a Christ-like manner that we haven't discussed yet. Um, And if it's something we discussed, but you just want to talk about a different angle, that's totally fine as well. I think, I think it's just um, staying, staying obedient. I mean, and, and, and not, and not giving up um, and just, you know, forcing, forcing yourself to sit down and read and and don't only read, um, you know, the, the grief centered verses that you can find like in the index of your Bible or whatever. um, And, and read for context. Cause I think that there's, you know, a lot more on how to handle grief than in those like key verses. Um, I think, I think you need to read the full thing to get the full context and, and to just, 
to just sit there with an open prayer to him and let him speak to you. Um, that's been something that I've found really hard because I, I don't, I don't hear him. Like, I don't feel like I hear him talking to me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just important to just, to really focus on God so much that you, that you feel him, that you hear him, that, you know, he's, he really is the only reason I've gotten six months um, without Jay. And, and I'm, I, I really do. I, I wake up with a prayer. I have my coffee and I just sit outside and I just wait for something to speak to me. And I think that there's so many human worldly forces telling you how to grieve that in order to grieve in a Christ-like way that you just, you need to focus on things not of this world. Yeah. Thank you so much, Libby. We really appreciate you. Yeah. I thank you again so much. And um, I wasn't blessed to know, to know Jay, but I'm sure Jay is, is, if Emily was as put together as you are right now, six months after I had passed away, I would be immensely, immensely proud of her. So I imagine <laughs> that she, that Jay is looking down is is extremely proud of you and with with where you're at in your faith right now. Because I, I with, with how distraught our world is right now and how in chaos everything seems, so many people are losing faith without going through great personal loss. And so seeing how strong your faith is in the midst of personal loss, in the midst of a chaotic world is extremely inspiring. Again, if, if I were in Jay's spot, I would be looking at Emily being extremely proud of her. So I I imagine that he is very, very proud of you. So thank you again for coming on and sharing your experience. Uh, I think this is going to be one of my, again, one of my favorite episodes. I feel like all of my favorite episodes are like, are like this that are just really, really powerful and provide a perspective that is that we just don't have. Yeah. And it's, and it's very humbling. So again, thank mm-hmm. you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. All right, everybody. We love you. Please learn from the situation. If you're grieving, know that our father in heaven cares for you deeply and that he wants you. He wants you and he, he wants you to stay with him. And he is also trying to make you better. And the best way he can help you, he can help you is not by shashang you. It's by helping you become who you're meant to be. And if you are, if you have people in your life who are struggling, please are struggling with grief. Please take some of the lessons that Libby has shared with us here today and apply them and, and, fulfill our covenant obligation to be our brothers and our sisters keepers anything else no that was perfectly wrapped up good job all right love you guys keep faith